It is May 17th, 2019 at 2114 Eastern Standard Time, USA. Uh, this is Mitch Mellon, and you're listening to my podcast, The Black Hole. Uh, I had the night off from coal mining tonight, but I wanted to take the opportunity to talk a little bit about some of the things I learned in my 80-hour uh, mine safety class that's required before you can work underground by the state of West Virginia. Uh, whenever you grind up coal on a working face, when you take a big wheel and start ch- chunking and grinding up coal, uh, methane gas is released from the face. And uh, you have a methane checker that you have to check every 20 minutes uh, near the face to make sure that it's not too gassy, but that's why ventilation in the coal mine is so important. Uh, There's big exhaust fans and blower fans that blow air into the mine at all times, and then you have curtains that direct the air up towards the face, or a tube and a fan that directs ventilation up towards the face to be taken take all that methane gas out and away. So when you test for methane and you get a reading of 1%, you have to shut down your equipment and change the ventilation. If you have a reading of 1.5%, you have to shut down and evacuate the whole section, the whole working section. Now methane is an explosive gas uh, in higher concentrations um, I believe 5 to 15% methane is, explo- is this explosive range. Also, uh, you have to carry on your person a self-rescuer. This is a little package that comes apart and has a breathing apparatus. It buys you about 10 minutes worth of air, fresh air to get to a different self-rescuer, which uses chemicals. There are many different self-rescuers, but there's... The 10 minute ones that weigh about 8 pounds that you have to carry on your belt at all times. They have to be within hands reach at all times. And then there are uh, different types that use chemicals to uh, take the oxygen out of the air you're breathing out and recycle it to last an hour to give you oxygen for an hour. So the 10 minute one is designed to get you to a cache of self-rescuers that'll last an hour and those ones can get you out of the mine. Buying an hour of time gets you at least to an escape area that can get you out of the mine. So those are some of the basics of uh, the coal mine that I learned in that course. And uh, as per per the format I'm beginning to develop, I want to talk a little bit about should a man or woman for that matter, any person need to go 900 feet underground to get away from radio waves. Uh, Is that my only reason for coal mining? No, but I look at it as therapeutic for my brain to be out of that heavy field of radio waves that I experience within the city limits of Pittsburgh. So, I've I, th- I think, so we live in a world where everyone's addicted to wireless technology 
and uh, everybody wants the next big thing, which is 5G. I watch a lot of C-SPAN, or I used to watch a lot of C-SPAN when I had the time, and I saw the CEO of one of the major um, mobile carriers uh, speaking in a forum, and he explained what 5G is, and that's basically where smaller radio transmitters are going to be in the tens of thousands in a in a major city uh, on every building on little probably on street lights and things of that nature to deliver a network that can tell you where your mobile device is within uh, centimeters that's how closely it'll be it can track your mobile device so that being said um, you're gonna build this network and I've done some investigations into the malfeasance of corporations, a couple different investigations, one of which is I looked into the FCC uh, databases of radio antennas, the Federal Communications Commission, and on their database for antennas, they're missing a significant amount of antennas that I can visually verify here in the city of Pittsburgh. They're just not even on the database. So the FCC doesn't even know where these huge 200-foot antennas are that we can see with our naked eye. Um, my question is, when, so let's say Russia or anyone for that matter, hacks our mobile communications network and turns up the radio frequency to a point that makes people's ears bleed, do we have a... A plan to t to cut the power to all these radio transmitters or to tear them down. I mean, if you if the FCC doesn't even have accurate data on where these things are located, and you're going to build a 5G network with ones on every building, tens of thousands to keep track of, uh, it just I'd like to know that there's a ironclad plan as to how to cut the power to all of these devices before we go ahead with the 5G network. Now, you know, it's scary to talk about ears bleeding, but what if tinnitus in old people is simply radio exposure? Or what if uh, shaking in an elderly person is because of 80 years worth of radio exposure? Has anybody stopped to think about that? Anyway, I think a much logic. I know that we can't stop what's called progress, and these mobile companies get away with it because they're considered infrastructure. I don't consider them infrastructure. I believe we have the internet, it's wired, it's grounded, and if a power outage happens or a natural disaster occurs, we can access the internet and download a website that'll explain our next seven days worth of directions as to what we're how we're supposed to proceed. Or we can go to the website of the federal government, a powerful website that can take thousands of users or millions of users at one time and copy and paste it into a Word file and shut our computer down to save on our battery. Re, we can reopen that file and look at our daily instructions as to what we're supposed to do in this time of emergency. So you don't need radio... Uh, broadcast, broadcasting instructions at all times. You don't need television wireless waves telling you through the TV what to do. 
is all you need is a wired internet. So I think a much better way to build the 5G network is if you took every permit for these uh, little radio transmitters and you gave it and you used the fee from that to subsidize one residential home so that it can both transmit and receive electrical power. Because if you want to build a smart power grid, the way to do it is by incorporating batteries into all the residential properties. And I think if, if, you, if every residential property had batteries that could store energy, uh, you know, store solar when it's cheap during the day, you could create a, a uh, commodities market kind of like day trading where people can sit at work and buy energy and store it at their house. Say they want to uh, use cheap energy during the day from solar, but they want to charge their batteries with coal power at night. And then they can sell the, that energy to their neighbors during the day, kind of like a mini commodities market. Instead of cap and trade, I think an internet commodities market based off of battery technology is much smarter and much better. And it'll get those batteries down cheaper to where uh, more electric vehicles are available at a cheaper price. So if the government subsidized this program, I think it'd be much smarter rather than building a 5G network just so that I can look up my sports scores quicker on my cell phone. So that being said, those are just some of my ideas as to what the more logical thing would be to do with all this technology. And uh, if you would like to find out more about me, the artist, the, the most underground artist in the world, go to www.plotm.com. That's plotm as in Mitch.com.